Welcome to Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. A country that we have been watching at VOM Canada for a number of years is the small East African nation of Eritrea. It used to be a part of Ethiopia. And there were some signs that things were improving, but uh, another story that's recently come out just actually last month, 35 more Christians have been arrested in that East African nation for conducting prayer meetings. And the latest arrests really dash hopes of a change of heart towards especially evangelicals in that country. And with more on that story, I'm joined by Andrew Boyd from Release International, VOM Canada's partner in the United Kingdom. Andrew, great to see you again. Tell me what happened in this situation with these believers in Eritrea. Well, it's great to see you too, Greg. In Eritrea, we've been worried about that place for a long, long time now, and I know that uh, you have too. What happened there is what happens so often, that Christians go to pray, they go to worship, and they get arrested for so doing. And in this case, we've had uh, two lots of Christians, as you've already pointed out, the biggest batch in the capital, Asmara. These were women who were attending a prayer meeting. And what happens there is that Everybody in that country, which is a single party state, it's very repressive. Everyone is required to monitor their neighbors and report anything suspicious to the authorities. And this prayer meeting was taking place very close to a military base. So women were turning up to pray. Probably larger numbers were turning up at a private home than might normally have done. Maybe a neighbor heard them singing. We don't know what happened. But what we do know is that the military moved in and they raided the prayer meeting, and they took them off. And there were some, uh, some 23 of them taken in Asmara. Exactly the same thing was happening 600 miles away on the border of Djibouti in Asab. Another group of 12 women were arrested again for attending a prayer meeting. Now, the significance of this is that we've been seeing many Christians freed from Eritrean jails in recent months. Now we're seeing them arrest them again. So the prospect that maybe there was a change of heart uh, in the wings for the government, that's been dashed because these arrests are still continuing. You know, yeah, in the last six months, I mean, we were getting encouraged. Uh, Dr. Brahani Ashmalash with uh, Release Eritrea and also a partner with both Voice of the Martyrs Canada and also with Release International there in the UK. And uh, there was some optimism, guarded optimism, I might add. 171 evangelical Christians, most of them evangelicals, were released. Uh, they weren't allowed to leave the country. But at that time, Andrew, we did have some hope, especially for us that have been following, uh, you know, this situation and meeting many of these believers. Some of them have been in prison now for more than 15 years. So do you think this was a planned thing, the fact that they hit two prayer meetings around the same time? Let's just go back a little bit about the issue of hope here, because at the time we were very cautious. What we saw happening was that the jails in Eritrea are horribly overcrowded, and we've got a COVID pandemic. I don't need to tell you about that, which has been sweeping the world. So I don't think the Eritreans wanted to, to see that spread any further than they needed to in that country. So COVID was one reason possibly why people were being released, but there was another reason as well, we think. And that is that Eritrea, although it's been denying it, has joined forces with Ethiopia to fight the Tigrayan rebels. Now, the Ethiopian prime minister is a Christian. 
And it's just possible that Asaya Safwerki, who runs Eritrea, was trying to curry favor with his Ethiopian counterpart. So in other words, soft peddling it on the Christian persecution in his own country and seeing a number of people released. So without seeing a change of law and a change of policy in Eritrea, and we haven't seen that, we haven't seen what we've all been pressing for for years, which is full religious freedom for all of the Eritrean people. We have seen the churches close. We have not seen them reopen. Unless that happens, we just have to be cautious. Now, that's not about being cynical, but neither is it about becoming a hostage to false hopes. So were these raids planned, as you suggested? Uh, I, I don't know. It's possible. It might just have been coincidental, but there hasn't been that fundamental, all-important change of policy. Yeah, and it's a very sad situation. I mean, there were people that I'd met in Eritrea back in 2004. They have been in prison now, you know, 15, 16 years. Uh, you know, families, some of them have left the country. They're separated. It's a horrible situation with many of these believers are having to suffer through. Now, Andrew, we have reported over the years, and it's been difficult to know because it is a closed country. Getting information out is difficult. You know, we do get some from those that have escaped the country. But how many were imprisoned over time? It's hard to know, but, you know, we heard three to 5,000 were in these shipping containers, military prisons. But now we understand the number is quite a bit lower than that. Any idea how many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are still in these terrible conditions? Our understanding is that there's something like 165 Christians who are now currently being held in state jails. Now, many of those have been detained without charge, indefinitely. Some of them have been in prison now. You've mentioned a few, but some have been in prison for 14, 15 years without charge. Extraordinary. But it isn't just the state jails. Now, Eritrea conscripts many of its young people, and the military forbid them to pray together, to read their Bibles, to worship. And where Christians are found fellowshipping or praying, they can be held and detained by the military. We don't know the numbers, but we estimate something like 150 more who are currently being held by the military. So you've got 165 in state jails, and our guess is about 150 more being held by the military. You know, Andrew, I've heard Dr. Brahani Ashmalash kind of compare Eritrea as the North Korea of Africa, and we know how brutal the situation is in that hermit kingdom. Yes, it's been compared not just by him, but by others as well to North Korea. Now, that sounds a little bit extreme, but, but when you think about it, you've got a single-party state. It's Marxist in its hue. It conscripts its, its population to join the military. It forces them to do that. It's closed most of its churches. And in the end, I think that so much of persecution that we see taking place is about power. That's the fundamental issue there. There's a spiritual dimension too. But as far as the authorities are concerned, it's about power. If you have a group of the population who choose to worship God, and for Marxists, God doesn't exist, so therefore they have to be suspicious for, for why they're doing that. If they're choosing to place themselves under a higher authority than the state, then the state will treat that with great suspicion. So therefore, they clamp down very hard. And for each locality within Eritrea, wherever you have a church, then those churches are sources of power. 
They're respected, the priests are respected, the church leaders are respected, and that makes them targets for a single-party state. Whether we're talking about China or North Korea or Eritrea, they all have the same kind of thinking that goes on beneath the surface, and so Christians therefore become targeted by the authorities there. You know, and as as you're listening to the podcast today and you're saying, well, why are Christians, evangelical Christians, being so persecuted in Eritrea? It goes back to 2002 uh, when the government, uh, fearful of the growth of the church, the evangelical church, which is often linked to the West, uh, there are some faith groups that are able to still meet the Orthodox, the Catholic, uh, Evangelical, Lutheran, and also Sunni Islam. And if you want to find out more, go to vomcanada.com. You can go to the Persecuted Nations area, look up Eritrea, and that will give you the history. Andrew, are you optimistic? Uh, yeah, I guess, and maybe I'm answering that question because of these arrests, but uh, are, are we optimistic that things could change in Eritrea and the believers there will get some freedom in the near future? Uh, My optimism is in Christ. Uh, God is doing amazing things around the world, and persecution has never, ever stopped the church. In fact, what persecution always does, dictators take note, is it increases the church, or it increases any kind of opposition to those in authority. That's what persecution does. It concentrates the mind. It makes people think, why am I here? Why am I living? What am I doing? And what we've seen in places like China, for example, is and Iran. Iran and we've yeah. seen an exponential increase in the number of Christians in those countries. The harder the authorities come down on the church, the more the church grows because people like you and me and like the folks, good folks listening to this right now say, okay, I'm here for a reason. I want to live my life well. I don't know how long my life will last, but during the course of my life, I want to serve my God and I want to do so faithfully. So it refines the church. So our hope is in God in all of that. In terms of politics, the whole Eritrean Ethiopian thing is extremely messy and unpleasant. It's very difficult. There's a ghastly war going on in Tigray. There are massacres happening. Churches are being attacked by Eritrean forces and possibly Ethiopian forces as well. So we can't find hope in those situations. But what we have to do is continue to hope in God, to continue to pray, to continue to support and continue to work for change. So Release International, I know Voice of the Martyrs as well, constantly pressing Eritrea to do the right thing and give full freedom of faith to all its citizens. It's the most fundamental freedom of them all. Yeah, and amen to that. And, you know, I've had opportunity to meet uh, believers in Eritrea that were imprisoned, and they felt that God's people praying for them. We met some that escaped to Ethiopia. Some have even come to Canada, and they said the most important thing is to pray. Yes, we want to help uh, financially. Uh, You know, many of these believers that had spent years in prison, they've got no way to support themselves. Their families have left the country. And uh, we're working with, uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Burhani with the Release Eritrea to help these believers in Christ. But prayer is the number one thing. So, Andrew, let's close on prayer. And if you could pray for our brothers and sisters in Eritrea. I'd be delighted. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, that you, you just looked us all in the eye and said, look, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Lord, you promised us persecution. But Father, we thank you, Lord, that in it all, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, 
you are with us. And the stories we hear of the prisoners who've been released and who've got away from that place of their overcoming faith is just humbling, Father. And Lord, my prayer today is that as we think about this, as we consider this, as we watch and pray with them in their Gethsemane, Lord, that actually you'll stir our hearts to be worthy of our persecuted brothers and sisters, to become bolder and more confident in our faith, to choose to live a life that's worth living and to live it well for you. Father, we ask you to revive your church across the world, however you do it, Lord. And Father, bring us to the place where we can even look with envy on those who are persecuted because we see your presence so manifest among them. But Lord, we ask you to be with them right now, to comfort them in their prisons, in the shipping containers where they're held, to be with them, Lord, and to fill that place with your presence. And we pray for their guards as well. Lord, may the guards, may <laughs> this, this extraordinary situation in there, an officially atheist country, may the guards, Lord, actually catch something of this extraordinary faith and hope that these prisoners hold. Just be glorified in that situation and in ours. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Andrew. You know, when uh, people are thinking about, you know, the Bible verse, you know, Hebrews 13, 3, remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them. And I, and I hope our time with Andrew uh, has helped us to understand, you know, these are our brothers and sisters. We need to remember them, not just in sort of a passive way, but to think God be with them. And Again, we won't know the full results of this until we get into heaven, but uh, we'll keep praying. And Andrew, again, thank you so much for joining me. Great to see you again and uh, being thank on you. the Closer to the Fire podcast and appreciate all that you're doing. God bless you, brother. Such a pleasure. Bless you. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.